Hello everybody. Once again, welcome to our studies on the book of Revelation. What a wonderful book to study and what wonderful truth it has for us at this time, especially as so much is going on in the world. The book has become more relevant than ever. So welcome. It's great to have you with me again today. So this is part seven of our series on the book of Revelation. We have noted so far that the scroll having seven seals is the title deed to the earth. Jesus, by virtue of his death, his burial and his resurrection, has the right to open the seals and finally, with his feet upon the Mount of Olives, to take possession of that which he has purchased with his own blood. As the scriptures declare the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ when he puts his feet on the Mount of Olives and the final seal is opened. He will rule the nations with a rod of iron and his triumphant church will be his co-regent, the Bible says, ruling and reigning with him. The, late, the nations will learn war no more, and we are told that year by year they will ascend to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. The knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. What a wonderful, wonderful day that will be. Now, we've also noted that the trumpet and bowl judgments are not in sequence, but actually in parallel, since they both end with the second coming of Jesus. However, they give us a more detailed description of the days of sorrow that will lead up to the glorious revelation of Jesus in great power and glory. They show us that wars, natural disasters, pestilence, apostasy, and evil of a type never seen before will assault the earth. More than this, they give us a picture of the fact that a global government will seize control of the world, and it, driven by delusional demonic power, will enslave the peoples of the earth by trapping them in a cashless society that requires absolute allegiance in order to buy and sell. You could read that in Revelation 13, verses 16 to 17. Scripture affirms that men's hearts will fail them as they ponder the awful events afflicting the earth. That's what Jesus said when he spoke to his disciples on the side of the Mount of Olives. All of this, I dare say, is now on the horizon of world events. The truth is, because of the wickedness of the nations, the Bible says that God will hand the citizens of the world over to this evil system, thus preparing them for the awful day of God's wrath. That's what the Bible says in Revelation 17 and verse 17. We have these words. Listen to them carefully. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind 
and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. That is a terrifying scripture. It tells us that because of the overflowing of wickedness upon the earth, God will hand the nations of the world over to this terrible beast kingdom, thus preparing them for the great day of judgment that will befall the earth. And therefore, the Bible says that the world will be judged. It teaches us that the church will have to persevere as she will be purified, though many, we are told, will fall away. Others will take their stand, as the book of Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 says, that they, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death, they will overcome. So some will have to take their stand. Others will actually fall away. It was Paul who warned that before Jesus comes again, there will be, in fact, a great apostasy. As I said before, these days are rapidly approaching because the technology to implement them worldwide is already being tested amongst us. There is no doubt that there was more behind COVID-19 than just restrictive measures to prevent the virus from spreading. Population control in the expectation of the implementation of a new world order was also involved. In fact, some politicians in America have openly acknowledged this. They are very powerful forces working behind the scenes, seeking to bring about global government. And it all has to do with taking control of the world's financial systems. And if you doubt it, then go into the Internet and Google the United Nations 2030 Agenda. It is totally built upon a new global financial system. So the book of Revelation then has what I call the great sign chapters. These introduce the reader to the dominant players on the field of the end time events. And they consist of the two witnesses Israel, the Antichrist, and Babylon. So in this study, we shall examine the two witnesses. These are the first of the great sign chapters, laying emphasis upon the people and groups and entities that we should know about who will play a huge part in the events at the closing of the age. The two witnesses are referred to in Revelation chapter 11 and 1 to 14. We'll just read a few verses at the beginning. 
Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for forty-two months. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. If anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the day of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them and kill them. Just so far, this is the saga of the two witnesses. These two individuals, we are told, preach at the altar of a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. Now, the altar is a symbol of vicarious or substitutionary suffering and therefore a picture of the cross and of the finished work of Jesus. Their purpose is to resurrect Israel spiritually by pouring the power of the Holy Spirit into the nation. The passage itself tells us that they are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. So this is a clue as to what they do and why they are called to prophesy at this time. So, this is what we call the Hebrew principle of remez, by which, if you want to understand this, then look at that. If you want to understand the statement, these are the two lampstands and the two olive trees that stand before the Lord of the whole earth, then you have to find out where that is in Scripture. And that is found in Zechariah chapter it's important to know that. And in this chapter, we are told that by a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem, two olive trees pour their oil into Israel, which is reflected as a menorah, a sevenfold candelabra. And we are told that they would do it not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's interesting to note then that when the Apostle John, imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos, received this heavenly vision in 92 AD, the second temple of Jesus period had already been cast down stone for stone, just as he predicted, and that happened in AD 70. So as to their identity, these are Moses' 
and Elijah. And we get that from the text of Revelation 11 itself. For the things that the witnesses do are the actual things that Moses and Elijah did and none other in the scripture. We find this statement. It says concerning them, if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. These have power to shut heaven. That's what Elijah did. So that no rain falls in the day of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. Only one man did that. And that was Moses. So here we have Moses and Elijah. But more than that, it is fascinating to see that it was Moses and Elijah who were the two witnesses when they appeared with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. How interesting is that? They had physical bodies like ours and were not glorified because Scripture tells us that Jesus actually is the first fruit of the resurrection. Also, when Jesus met up with two very dejected disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, we are told that he, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, spoke to them concerning the things about himself. Elijah is considered the greatest of all the Hebrew prophets. So he represents them. And he opened the Bible. And he taught them about himself. In other words, on that holy mount of transfiguration, Moses and Elijah endorsed the messianic credentials of Jesus. That is on the mount of transfiguration. The Bible says that they will return again and do the same for the nation of Israel in these end times. It is these two individuals then whose bodies departed the earth in very, very strange circumstances who will return to usher in for Israel what the Bible calls the restoration of all things. And if you want to read about the strange departure of the bodies of Moses and Elijah. You can turn to 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 11 and Jude 9. Jesus also promised that Elijah would come and restore all things in Israel before the coming great day of the Lord. You can read that in Mark chapter 9. And indeed, verse 12. So, all this goes to demonstrate how much God loves Israel in that thousands of years ago, he made provision for her final restoration 
that will usher in the glorious age of redemption. Chapter 11 of Revelation itself points to the clear identity of these two individuals, as does the Mount of Transfiguration, as does the testimony of Moses and Elijah in the Word of God. My dear friends, very exciting days lie ahead for Israel in that her two great historical leaders will return. Isn't that amazing? They will endorse Jesus as they did on the Mount of Transfiguration when they stood there with Jesus and they were talking about his soon departure, as they put it, in Jerusalem by his suffering. And a word from heaven came concerning the person of Jesus from his father, that this is my son. Hear him. And God has promised that Moses and Elijah will come again, will do the very same thing again, but this time for the whole nation of Israel. The prophet Malachi, as he concluded what we call the Old Testament period of prophetic declaration, his final words in his final chapter of chapter 4, verses 4 to 6, promised two things. Number one, that they should listen to Moses. And number two, that God will send them Elijah before the great and the terrible day of the Lord should come. What a blessing. What a wonderful thing we have here tucked away in the book of Revelation. We are told in this chapter 11 of Revelation that the beast or Antichrist will be enraged at the two witnesses and that he will kill them. It will be too late. Their ministry is finished. Israel is delivered from the clutches of evil and by this triggers the great revelation of Christ. It reminds me of what Peter said to the nation of Israel uh, just after the day of Pentecost. And it's recorded actually in Acts chapter 3. I'd like to read it for you. And this is what he said. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive. The Greek means retain or keep until the times of the restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God 
will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. It's exactly the same message on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my son. Hear him. The prophets, Elijah, have spoken. And Moses has declared it. You will hear him. And then there will be, according to Acts 3, this wonderful revelation of Christ. It is a wonderful story. It is this revelation that will bring about the destruction of the Antichrist and all those with him. The Bible says that the first thing that Jesus will do when he comes again will be to take hold of the Antichrist and all those who have served with him, the beast who struck down the two witnesses, the beast who has committed the abomination of desolation, the beast who has sought to oppress the world, and in particular Israel and the church. The Bible says when Jesus comes again, the first thing he will do will be to take down the Antichrist. How wonderful that is. And so listen to this. This is what it says concerning this beast who opposes himself, according to Scripture, above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And then it says, and this lawless one will be revealed. But listen to this whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his coming and destroy with the brightness of his coming. How wonderful that is. What a wonderful promise. The two witnesses. Even so, Lord Jesus, come again. Amen. This is Malcolm Heading.